When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is Jim Kreider, who is the CEO of Intentional Living FP. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for having me, Gary. I appreciate it. So tell us some about yourself. Yeah, um, well, I guess on the personal line, I, I'm a, a dad of three boys. I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. Wow. And uh, yeah, so life is crazy. Um, my, my lovely wife, her name's Kendra. She, she watches our boys all day. So I... I get to escape the zoo for a few hours a day, and uh, I'm a financial planner. I own a financial planning firm called Intentional Living FB. I, I help young families uh, achieve early financial independence. Um, yeah, when I'm not wrangling the kids or, or working, we like to escape, and we, we generally try to get out to the mountains and go for long hikes, that sort of thing. That's great. So what made you get into, into you know, financial advising and, and, and financial planning? Hmm. So probably about seven years ago, I, uh, I left a job and without a plan. And that led to about seven, eight months of unemployment, which Kendra, my wife, Kendra was working at that time. But certainly after a handful of months, we just started thinking about you know, financial stress and all the things that come along with that. And it, it got me thinking about how money's the number one cause of divorce in the US. And I would love to be able to help people actually have healthy conversations around money and then align their money with what's important to them in life. So I, I decided I would like to be able to help people in that. I didn't know what a CFP is or what real financial planning is or anything about the industry. I just knew, gosh, I wish people would actually align their life and their money and help it actually serve what's important to their families. So that's how I jumped in. And over time, it's I've continually progressed in my knowledge of the industry and of planning itself. And that's that continual progression has allowed me to iterate on the type of work I do and who I, who I work with. Now, when you say that, that you try to align their finances with their life, what do you mean by that? Well, for instance, I, for a while there, I, I helped with retirement planning for physicians. I was working with a lot of high income, high net worth families. So, you know, families making 500,000 to a couple million dollars a year. And uh, a lot of these people, where I was helping with the retirement planning. So they'd come to me when they were in their 60s or maybe early 70s. And we're talking about, hey, let's go ahead and 
transition to slow down and enjoy yourself some. And we would we'd start talking about the monies and the facts and the figures, and we'd see, okay, you've done really well. And that would from there we'd start peeling back the layers. Well, what? Why did you decide to get into to medicine? And wow, you've been successful financially. What led to these things? And so often the reason that people wanted to do well financially was because they wanted to uh, have their have their families um, be in a place of comfort and you know make sure their kids had a great childhood. And then once we started discovering these things, I found that so many of these families provided well for their kids, but actually they don't know if their kids ever had a child, good childhood or not because they got so wrapped up in work, they didn't actually take time to spend the time with their kids. So that's what I mean with aligning what's important to you in your money. So many people think, oh, I'd love to be able to do these things so my kids have it better than I did. But then we get so wrapped up in trying to achieve a goal, we forget the value that's, that that goal is trying to support. So it's, it's, it's difficult. And no, it, it's very easy to get entrenched in the day-to-day -day and climbing the ladder or whatever. But you have to continue to remind yourself, why am I actually doing this? What am I truly trying to get at in these goals I'm, I'm going for? Right. So that's a, a big change then if you, if you went from dealing with people that are in their you know, 60s, 70s, 50, late 50s trying to do that transition. So now you're working with uh, younger families. Um, tell us some about that and that transition that you had to make. Yeah, I came about that transition for a few reasons. One, I've, I had probably about 30,000 conversations with families over the years. And I heard so many regrets like, hey, we've done pretty well, but I can't imagine how much further along we'd be if we started doing these things earlier on in life. Or yeah, man, I, I realize now that, yes, we have a lot of money, but I missed the chance to spend time with my kids while they're actually in our house. And I recognize, man, I, I could have a much bigger impact if I go upstream and, and help these people earlier on in life. And two, um, I understand the decisions, the trade-offs, the conversations that are going on behind the closed doors with younger families, um, like Kendra and I, myself. I'm, I'm 31. Um, I have, like I said, I have kids and we're navigating a lot of the things that my, my clients are facing on a day-to-day -day basis, we've somehow managed to squeeze into a couple of years, these types of decisions. So I decided, man, I would love to be able to help young families who desire earlier financial independence so they have more time freedom. So that's, that's how we made that decision on the type of specific client we want to work with. Now, de dealing with the, your, you know, your new clientele now, um, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen them make uh, before they come to you? Hmm. Generally, it's going to be rooted in lack of vision and lack of alignment in two things. One, lack of vision. A lot of people just start saving and investing or spending or whatever they're doing. They're taking action out of, um, with lack of true intent. Um, without having clarity of vision, it's hard to, to make uh, strong action and on a continual basis. So uh, first off, having a clear vision will inform proper actions. And then two, a misalignment. A lot of people, you know, they'll go and they'll, they'll set up accounts, they'll start investing, they'll do all these things, but they're more of just taking random, uh, random ideas and just trying to make it work rather than having it taken in align with a plan. So I know I'm a, obviously I'm a financial planner, but 
um, yeah, it's you really do need to have an idea of what you're trying to go at if you're going to do this efficiently and effectively. So, um, yeah, a lot of, that's one of the big steps early on is creating a clear vision for what's important to you and then allowing that vision to inform the actions you're going to take so we can do that in an effective and efficient manner. Right. So it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, okay, yep, as we were growing up, mom and dad were telling us, hey, you have to put away, you have to put away, you have to put away. So uh, people are putting away, but they don't have a, a reason behind it or they haven't created their plan. Um, and I think that that's, you know, something that's, that is definitely important. Yeah, well, for instance, so a lot of my, a lot of my families that I work with, they're generally going to be in their early to mid thirties. And uh, yeah, a lot of them are, have worked a corporate job and they're currently transitioning into being self-employed. So we're all, we're navigating all the complexities that, that can bring about. And a big issue is um, a, a client that I'm, we're bringing onto the firm right now said, hey, I want to be able to leave my nine to five in the next six to 12 months. How do we do that um, in, in an effective manner? So we started peeling back, okay, you have excess cash flow from your current job, you have savings. So we started looking at the savings, realized they've been putting a ton of money towards our 401k, but they haven't been putting money towards taxable accounts. So there's no money in savings accounts or brokerages. So they need to live, they're going to have to live off some of the savings for a while if they want to leave their job. Well, if they would have... If we would have seen this beforehand, they could have been setting aside a nice nest egg to be able to live off of while they work, while they start their own business. Well, instead, they're putting money inside of a 401k. So now that's not going to be an efficient place to, to pull from if they decided, when they decide to leave their job, if they have to pull from accounts, pulling it from a 401k is not an effective thing to do. So it's just that small action. Hey, we have an extra $20,000 a year to, work, to put aside. The first thing that come to mind is, hey, I should probably max out a 401k. You do that. Yeah, maybe that's a that's a good rule of thumb is put money towards a 401k plan. But if liquidity and accessibility is is primary importance to you, a 401k is not a good thing to do. Right. I think I think you know, Jim, that that uh, that's an important concept to, to talk about. I mean, so many people, you know, again, like you're saying, that that are in life, and you know, we just went you know went through COVID and the pandemic, and how many people, you know, yes, they're stuffing a ton of money away in, into their uh, 401ks or whatever the retirement plan is, but then they didn't have that other money that they could live off of, and they become and became unemployed for various different reasons. And unemployment's not enough. So you don't have that other cash that's sitting there. What kind of, what is your, your rule of thumb for people when it comes to the, the, the cash outside in savings accounts? Kind of what's your rule of thumb there? So actually in, in cash, cash savings accounts? Right. Okay. I know this is cliche to say as a financial planner, I'm probably as a, as a CPA too, but it depends Right. Uh, typically speaking, it's going to depend on a number of factors, you know, how many workers you have in the house, the type of income, sources of income, all of those fun things. But generally, you're going to look at three to six months of living expenses is the safe rule of thumb. And how you arrive at, if you're going to fall between that three to six months, you know, if you're a dual income household and both spouses have a safe, you know, nine to five uh, job, then three months is probably sufficient. If you're a single income household and everything's dependent upon a commission you get, you probably hedge your, your risk and take a little bit longer with the six months. Right. Now, again, if you're, maybe if in six months you plan on leaving and starting your own business, like, like Kendra and I, I, I left my job in January and we decided when we did that, I will not be taking a salary for 12 to 18 months. So I knew going into this, we'll need 
to float our lifestyle for 12 to 18 months before I start pulling an income from my job. So I needed to have that liquidity set aside. So we had, uh, we had about eight months of living expenses in cash. We spent that down to now we only have, I don't know, two months. And then on top of that, now we're living off of a home equity line of credit or HELOC um, right. that we're tapping into at a really low interest rate. So it's really a matter of looking at, well, what do I need? What's the risk I'm comfortable with? And then how will this help fund our lifestyle in case X happens? And that's if X happens on purpose, like starting a business, or if X happens on accident, like we just lost our job or, you know, we have to replace our transmission. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, again, going back into the concept that you're talking about with this, and I think that this is important for, for people to understand, and I, and I preach it all the time everybody's different. So just because, you know, just like you said, it depends because it does depend on what your situation is, you know, what your debt is and everything else really depends on how much, how much cash you need to put to the side um, in savings and things like that. What are some of the questions that when you're meeting with these young families, what are some of the questions that you wish they were asking you that they're not? There's a, there's an unhealthy place of comparison. So I don't want people to think that that's what you should be doing. But I think there is a role that benchmarking plays in considering roughly where you should be. So I would like to see more transparency across similar types of clients or similar types of people. Like, hey, based off of, based off of where I am in life and what I hope to achieve, how am I doing right now? And where do you think I should be compared to the other people you've talked with? Again, I've had the the privilege of talking with about 30,000 people about this stuff. So I, I've been given some great insights over, hey, here's the, here's the things that the pitfalls that people made that helped them or disallowed them from being successful. Here's the things that, that people made, decisions made when they were in their 30s and 40s that helped them be successful later on in life and um, all these things. So yeah, I, I wish there was bit better, tran more transparency in that. And yeah, it's, that's never really asked of, uh, from me is, hey, how am I doing compared to X? And again, I don't, I don't want that to come across as an unhealthy comparative social media type of thing over, wow, I have X dollars and someone else has X plus or minus Y. But you know, there's, there's, there is room for benchmarking to get a general idea of behaviors, behaviors you could be doing. Right. I'm curious, what, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I think that that especially with younger families, you know, that I've come across, I mean, to me, the important thing is, is, you know, where are they individually um, and not so much comparing yourself against, you know, the next door neighbor or, or your friends and stuff, because everybody's situation is different. You know, some people are graduating college with, you know, huge student loan debt. Some aren't. Some, some are lucky enough that the parents are able to to pay for the college or, or the individual themselves work their way through college type thing. Um, and, and I always dislike when, when people say, oh, well, you know, my, my, uh, my buddy was telling me that his CPA is writing this off for him. It's like, <laughs> well, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right thing. You know, same thing with investing. I don't always think that, you know, what, what I'm doing is going to be the same thing that my sister should be doing or, or my, or my, you know, my next door neighbor, because, everybody's situation is different. Um, yeah. I think, I think one of the biggest, you know, mistakes that, that people don't make is they don't make a plan and then they don't. And, and, you know, I've written a book and talk about, you know, you, you need to build your team, you know, besides your, your, you know, your financial planner, besides your estate attorney, you know, and your CPA, 
they all need to get together and they all need to talk and yeah. you have to allow them to do that. Um, and most of the time, it's not really going to cost you anything extra. Um, it, you know, maybe a couple of dollars more, but, but you spend it now and it's going to save you exponentially later on. Um, I always, I always find it important to be able to talk to the financial planner, to be able to, to, if not anything, Hey, these are the, you know, the capital loss carry forwards that they have. And then, you know, that, and then you're able to say, Oh, well, if you got that, then, Hey, we have some, some gains that are sitting here that we can go ahead and, 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 you know, possibly reposition their portfolio and then, you know, be able to use this. So it's not a taxable event for the, for the individual. Um, mm -hmm. I just, I think that people are so afraid to talk about this stuff. And I think that that's where a lot of people are making mistakes is because they're not talking about it. And I think it's really important, um, to have those conversations. And you say that, you know, that's what you're doing with the families behind closed doors. You know, what are the conversations? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Gosh, so many, so many things you said there. I agree with one partnering, making sure your professionals are partnered together to, make sure there, there's a strategy that's cohesive across your entire life. I certainly make sure I'm in those conversations with the CPAs and attorneys and all that fun, exciting stuff. That's, that's obviously there's, we all have different insights and want to make sure we're working together towards whatever's best for, for the families. And right. two, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, a place of, uh, you know, not comparing and, you know, what your someone next door is doing. I agree. You don't want to compare behaviors what I, what I was getting at is, so what I, I used to work at Fidelity Investments and they have, you know, some quick talking points. And one of those talking points is roughly at the age of 30, you should have uh, set aside for retirement. You should have the equivalent of one year's uh, worth of your uh, current salary. So if your current salary is $100,000 at 30, you should probably have about $100,000 set aside for retirement. That's a nice rule of thumb to know. So if someone asks you, hey, what should I roughly have? You can say, well, generally speaking, you should have X. So I, I like having rules of thumb. It'd be neat to have rules of thumb that were, or it, I think it'd be insightful for people to have rules of thumb of where they should be and also a comparison. That way we stop. It's a, it, it would be nice for people to stop comparing, stop comparing the uh, outer things that people have. Like, oh, I bet they're doing really well because they drive a Tesla and always <laughs> eat out. But rather, hey, um, people, who are doing, people who are doing well successfully who actually want to achieve the things that I'm doing, what are they doing financially? Not what are they showing the world they're doing, but actually where are they right now and what are they doing to, to progress? That would be really helpful. Because um, again, like you and I, we've had the, the fortune of seeing tons and tons of financial lives. And I, I know when I'm out and about, the vast majority of people who are spending money and doing all kinds of stuff actually can't afford it. Yes. But most people don't know that. Most people you know, looking like, oh, they must be doing well. Um, and I think it would be really helpful for our culture to, to pull the veil back and recognize, no, there's, there's a lot of hurting going on and the people are actually being healthy. Here's the things that they're actually doing. They're not, they're not flaunting it typically. They're doing these very simple actions behind the scenes. And here's what they are. And here's where you fall in that. And here's the behavioral small adjustments you can make to, you know, to look more like that rather than like your neighbor. Yeah. I think that, that, Many people that I know that I do taxes for, um, a lot of them, it's like, you know, they're, they're, whatever they're making, they're spending. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy in the fact that, you know, it could be somebody who, who's 
you know, making 50 grand a year, or it could be somebody who's making two and a half million a year. They're still spending so much of that income and they're not, they're not putting it to the side. Um, I think that, you know, again, this keeps going, I keep going back to the planning side of things. And if you have created a plan and you as a financial advisor, you're, you're creating that plan for somebody and you don't need to keep changing it. Yes, there's going to be life occurrences that are going to make you change the plan. But otherwise, it's like, here's your roadmap to, to where you say you want to be. Now, if you're, you know, if, if as we're traveling down the road, if you decide that, hey, I want to, I want to make a pit stop over here, or I want to totally change and, and go on my own company now, then yes, we need to change that plan. But otherwise, why, you know, if, if you have it, then, you know, you have the plan, let's work the plan. I think that that's something that's important, you know, for people to, to really understand. Yeah, that's, so there is a big difference between how I work with clients that I, and how I think most firms work with clients. I think you'd recognize, Gary, that most really quality financial planners typically going to work with people who are about to retire or just retired. You know, if, if you're, if you're uh, compensated by charging one or 2% of assets under management, you're going to be incentivized to work with people who have more sat more assets under management. Right. And typically that's going to mean you're working with people who have worked long enough to accumulate larger balances. And the thing is, again, I've, I've worked with these people for, for quite a few years uh, someone in their 60s or, you know, in their mid to late 60s who's transitioning or just transitioned to retirement, their situation, frankly, is pretty simple. It's, let's say, make sure you get set up properly. We have the type, the right types of accounts. We're doing some tax planning. We're talking about Social Security and Medicare. And we're doing a, the proper spin-down rate of your portfolio in a tax-efficient manner. That's really about it. And once from there, you go check in once a year, make sure that, you know, if there's any big purchases around the corner, you're, you're considering that. However, uh, I'm working with people more like me, where it seems like my landscape is ever changing. You know, like right. my clients it seems like every month I, a client, another client's having a baby, and so we're talking about, hey, you know, we're gonna, you know, this spouse is gonna leave the job to make sure they're at home with the kids. How's that gonna impact our cash flow, our savings rates? If our savings rates changing, does that how's that gonna impact what accounts we're saving towards? Um, and then also, hey, I'm starting a business. How do we how do we start a business? What type of what type of entity do we put that in? Oh yeah, now I'm self-employed, so I don't have health insurance to an employer anymore. How do I get that set up? How do we spend down assets? What do you do as far as debt versus you know taking funds uh, using debt properly versus just spending down our assets? All these things. It seems like it's ever changing. You mentioned uh, you know having a plan and the roadmap and everything, and that's really my job. My job, yes, is initially to create a plan. But the plan is simply meant to orient you the direction you need to go and give us the first necessary actions we need to take, understanding that your life is going to change ongoingly. And my job is from there to be your guide through a changing, through a changing landscape. And again, that's, that's really a big difference between the type of client I work with versus you know, the firms I was at prior. I, I make sure I actually get in front of my clients and we're, we're talking on a, on a monthly basis about specific aspects of their financial life to make sure that we're staying on top of these things. Because again, they change regularly. And I, I'm able to, I know that because again, my financial life changes very regularly. Again, having kids in school and all these things puts a lot of demand and brings up a lot of opportunity. And uh, really when we look at it is you're going to, you're, whenever you face a decision, no matter which way you go, there's always opportunity cost. If you choose one thing, you're giving up something else. So we want to make sure you're making those decisions intentionally and purposefully. 
um, rather than haphazardly and uninformed. Right. I agree with you. I think that, that a couple of things that you said there, I think that are important. Also, you talked about the, you know, debt and the right kind of debt and things like that. I think that that's something that's important for people to understand that, that you do go talk to your financial planner. You do come talk to your CPA about those kind of things. And don't, don't try to make that decision on your own because you and I have dealt with this, like you said, thousands and thousands of times. So we can help you with what some of the pitfalls are going to be for that individual versus if they take debt on a different way or, or however, however they structure it. And I just think that that's important to make sure that you have that open relationship with your, your, you know, the professionals that you've surrounded yourself with. Certainly. I, I agree. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're, you know, I don't want to say we're coming out of the pandemic, but we're, it seems to be that we're kind of getting there a little bit. Um, what are some of the, the challenges that you're facing now um, that, that you didn't see before? Mm. <laughs> I'd say the, the, the biggest thing that comes to mind, and it's not something new per se, it's just much more blatant and out there is uh, the manipulation of markets and the, the general economy um, that's making it very hard to understand really what's going to happen with, with the, the macro uh, macro economy and the impact that's going to have on a financial plan. And what, what I mean by that is obviously, I mean, the government's been printing, printing money for quite a while. There's been uh, a lot of uh, helicopter money and lowering interest rates on bonds. And we could argue whether or not that's actually reasonable interest rates that's out there, all these things that's, you know, market manipulation. But since COVID, this has escalated drastically. And that's making things difficult to, to plan around. So before, you know, this is quite a long while, while back, you could say, all right, I, I want to make sure I have my purchasing power in nine months because I'm going to buy a house. So I'm just going to keep money in cash. But as money continues to be printed and housing prices, Gary, I don't know about you, but my house appreciated by 32% over the last 12 months. If I was sitting in cash for, and I need to buy that house 12 months later, it just became 32% more difficult to purchase my house. So we have to, it's changing how we assess risk over a plan. Um, and again, that's, that's probably the most difficult thing about my job right now is understanding the different risks uh, in the market without having, or it, that's difficult because there's lack of purity in the market itself. We can't look and say, hey, here's what, here's what a real estate, realistic expectation is based off the valuations and interest rates and all these things, knowing that someone can step in at any time and just pull a lever and just completely switch things that's really unnatural for, for the market in general. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. And I, I think that that's something that, that um, is important for people to understand um, and, and it, it, it's going to be keeping challenging right now, um, at least for a little while, that's for sure. Um, Jim, our time has gone pretty quick here. What, um, what have I not asked you that you wish I had? Hmm. I guess for the, for the listener's sake is when, when looking for a financial planner, 
what are key things that should be considered uh, as you start interviewing firms or even before you interview, whenever you're just searching on Google, like what are the key factors you consider? Okay, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably just find someone who the most convenient person that's down the block. No, no, don't, don't do that. So I, I, I would say one, find someone who is actually going to do what's in your best interest. And by doing that, you want to find someone who's a fiduciary. So they're going to be a certified financial planner or a CFP. One, that means they put a lot of time and, and study into this, but also they, they truly have to attempt to do what's in your best interest as a client. Um, beyond that, I would not hold myself to uh, the constraints of where you're actually located, but rather find the person who works best for your, your type of lifestyle. So I have a mentor. He only works with dental pr dentist practice owners. Um, so if you're a dentist, if you own a dentist practice, like he's the guy, I, I can't tell you the best way to fund your next mass big equipment purchase. Um, same thing. If you're, if you are a, uh, if you're a retired veteran and you want someone who's going to be able to help you with your VA benefits and your other assets, like go work with someone who specializes in that. So yeah, first off, find someone who is just well-studied and has to do what's in your best interest. Then also find someone who actually aligns with where you're at in life and the specific type of you know planning you want. So again, if you're looking for a retirement planner, I, I get in uh, uh, people reaching out to me all the time. Hey, I need someone. I need to talk to someone about uh, our retirement. We're stepping out of our jobs in in a year. Can you help me? I'm like, no, I I actually I only work with young families uh, who are working towards retirement, but they're not there yet. So I I know it's not in their best interest to to for me to serve them. So I gladly refer them to another advisor so you should find someone who's who's willing to to do that as well yeah i think i think that's some some wise words there to make sure that you find somebody that aligns with you um and then have them help you that's for sure so jim if people like what what they've heard and they want to uh, reach out to you and talk to you how can they get to you yeah you can well one you can reach out to me on twitter i'm a jim Kreider tx as in texas um, also, you can you can go to my website. It's intentional living FP as in financial planning. So intentionallivingfp.com. And on there, uh, you can poke around, but you also see my calendar and feel free to put 15 minutes on there. If you just have a, a one-off question about your 401k, um, you know, feel free to put time on there. I'd be more than happy to take a stab at, at answering your question. Or if you want to take a few minutes and talk uh, you talk about what is financial planning and what would it look like to work together. Again, more than happy to take 15 minutes and just chat with you and, and answer any questions you might have. Okay, great. Well, Jim, I really appreciate your time today and I'm, I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot today. Yeah, thanks, Gary. I appreciate it. Sure. So today our guest was Jim Kreider, who's the CEO of Intentional Living FP. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.